You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This to me is like the really fascinating material. I think we're looking at kind of a type of cosmic alchemy. The story slowly Still, a lot of people don't know that this technology actually exists. The possibilities here are pretty mind Okay, man. Well, we're ready to get started if you are, sir. Oh, I'm ready. I've been ready. Awesome. Chomping at the bit. Uh, yeah, because there's some breaking news. <laughs> I watched, uh, I watched, uh, we watched a couple of your videos, so. That's good. I, hopefully, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. I barely can even figure out how to use YouTube at all. I'm just winging it. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gone that way yet. You're doing it live, right? You're doing like the live stream stuff? I do it both ways. I do it live and I'll just uh, pop a video up. Like today I shot three videos. But I actually like the live aspect because I get to interact with people. I don't like, you know, just shooting a video and not talking to anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Well, guys, we're here. Um, episode 249 we kind of had a guest flake on us I guess was that uh, what happened so you heard the last episode we don't have the guest that <laughs> the second time this has happened <laughs> but uh, the, this was for a whole other different reason but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll, we will be able to get him and be able to talk to him um, but Chris Wolford uh, 
came on the show kind of last minute yesterday. And I've been wanting to talk to Chris anyway, get him back on, because it's kind of been overdue to have you on by yourself um, and talk about some of the things that are going on in the UFO world. You're one of those people that uh, is very knowledgeable about the subject, knows what he's talking about, and um, you have kind of a different viewpoint than I'd say probably myself or some of my other peers. So I, and I do welcome that viewpoint. But uh, Chris, welcome back to Conspiracy Normal, man. It's awesome to have you. Thank you for having me on again. It's a real honor. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, this was the first podcast you were ever on, and you know, you yep. always you always have a home here. Um, I, like I said, you know, respect your your thoughts on this whole thing. You know, you come at it from a very different angle um, than most of we do. Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty non-ETH. I'm pretty distrustful of the government. But uh, I definitely like I definitely f- like your passion. That's for sure. Well, I, and that's all fine. I mean, I'm still distrustful too. But yeah. at the same time, this is our best chance, really. So, yeah, and I tend to agree with you on that. So, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, well, you know, nothing is ever going to be perfect. No, nothing, nothing is ever going to satisfy 100 percent of everybody. And what they can, you know, I mean, and what we're talking about here, we're talking about ATIP, we're talking about Tom Long, we're talking about all that. And it's not everyone is going to, is going to agree. And, but, you know, it's kind of like the, the best that we have basically, as far as getting any kind of word out about the UFO. Now I've, I was listening to some of your, your YouTube videos today. Um, and one in particular, and you talked about how, you know, you see, but you talk about disclosure and in your mm-hmm. viewpoint, disclosure has already happened. So how is that? How has disclosure already happened? Well, uh, I, I, not to be the dead horse, because you guys probably have already heard this from me, but December 16th, 2017, New York Times article talking about ATIP and the Tic Tac events. That was disclosure. And I I also view disclosure as a very personal thing. It's up to the individual whether they want to take that data and, uh, I guess, believe it or they choose to scoff at it and say, this is – we've seen this before and this is nothing new, which this is definitely something new and we've never seen this before, but I digress. So, no, I mean, uh, disclosure to me – it's already happened. It's now on to confirmation. But, you know, I'm a vocal minority when it comes to that. Even amongst my other colleagues that I get along with very great and well, they don't tend to agree with me. But that's fine. I guess I can see kind of where you're coming from in that. And that I guess that there was kind of this admission that, yeah, something weird is going on. And, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to downplay that at all because i think it was a big deal i just think for some of the and i've said this before i think for some of like the public at large it just wasn't it just kind of gets law lost in the news cycle but i think maybe for the community such as it is i mean i think that people have um i mean i I think it's definitely been downplayed somewhat i i guess here's my take 
and I, I think I mentioned this in one of my videos. If not, maybe it just came to me. Uh, for the elites in this uh, community, in the UFO research community, they tend to live in an echo chamber. And they only want to hear what they want to hear. So I have heard through other people that, again, I've put on pedestals or I've looked up to, and they all say the same thing when it comes to this, that um, this has been done before or the, there, there is nothing that really uh, is going to help the public with this or the public awareness didn't get raised. And I, I, that is just, to me, not the case. I, I've said this to you before in private, Adam, yeah. that I've had family members change their whole attitude on this topic because of what happened that time. And I've talked to people in the world, in the real world, when I'm like going to physical therapy and they say the same thing. It has changed their whole paradigm. The fact that the government come, came out and said, oh, yeah, by the way, we've, we've had this program and we were studying this phenomenon. So, I, I, you know, again, I get where the, those people, the, the elitists in this community come from because I've been there. But I also don't live in an echo chamber anymore. I, I just can't because I've heard and seen too many people uh, change their attitude and change their tune when they've seen, uh, like like my good friend Dave Beatty's uh, documentary, The Nimitz Encounter, they watch that and their whole attitude changes because that, that was over a multiple days that was dealing with the Tic Tac uh, UFO. Yeah. And you have multiple – good witnesses, not like some hillbilly in some podunk Alabama town. These are all military witnesses and it happened and we've <laughs> studied this stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's true. I mean, and, and, and that was a big deal as well. The whole Tic Tac video. I mean, that was, that it was, still is that was a huge I'm thing going. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm in a group, again, now I'll just shed some light. I'm in a group on Facebook that is uh, not public and it's not private. It's like, um, it's secret uh, because there's five members, I think three from the Princeton and two from the Nimitz that were, they were there that day that the stuff happened or they were in that, uh, in that time frame when all that stuff happened. And some of the stuff they're, t they're sharing with the group is amazing. Now, obviously, the, the skeptic or the debunker would ask, well, how can we verify that they were there? Trust me. I've seen their records. I've seen the stuff that they've posted. They definitely were there. Not only that, but I'll, I'll just share with this. After the whole Tic Tac event happened, and I can make this up if I tried. An Air Force aircraft, which does not make sense because usually Air Force aircraft wouldn't land on the aircraft carrier because they don't have that hook to land on the, the aircraft carrier. But apparently it was a plane landed on the aircraft carrier and took data from the Nimitz and the Princeton radar data and took it away. We don't know where they took that data to. Hmm. And I, we wouldn't have known this if it had not been for those witnesses. Right. Yeah, that's true. So. Uh, that's something I didn't know about. 
Well, not and it, here's the thing. Like that group exists, uh, in my opinion, solely for those witnesses and for the researchers who don't tend to have a negative viewpoint, whether it be about to the stars or a tip. We could speak freely, and we don't have to hear outsiders' opinions on influencing this research. And that's—I I know that, like a Jack Brewer, you've had him on your show. Yeah. He was very angry at the fact that we had had this group, and we we were talking to these witnesses. He just said that we, the way we were doing things, was wrong. And I, I just had to say to him, I, I, "Listen, this is the only way they're going to release this information." Okay, these witnesses are not going to come to you. They're not going to go to the media. They feel safe here. There was one Kevin Day who initially started in the group. And then slowly but surely, he brought along a few other people who'd served with him, both on the Princeton and on the Nimitz. So it's a good development. I, I know I can't like go into very specific stuff, but just know that these men and women definitely saw and had stuff happen to them over that period of time. That was a real event. So is Jack, so, is he suspicious of these people? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, he doesn't like the way that we were doing our research. And he thought because it was a secret group on Facebook that it was on a, in his view, it was, he was suspicious of it and that we were doing it wrong. And I had to tell him numerous times before he blocked me, uh, <laughs> Uh, that that's the way it is. Getting blocked by a lot of people here, Chris. It's okay. I've been blocked by the NSA, so that was they can't. (laughs) None of them can trump that. Okay, if you can't be the NSA, then forget about it. (laughs) You know. And I don't mind if people block me. That's fine. I'm just telling you as it is. Okay. And if you want access to these people, you're gonna have to be respectful and listen to what they want to do. It's not your show to run. It's up to them. Well, yeah, not you. I definitely can see the, the people that if they feel like that uh, they're, I don't know, their loved ones or somebody is in da- or they're in danger or something like that, or they don't, are they, maybe they just don't feel comfortable about really sharing it uh, widely with the public. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of have to respect their wishes. That's just kind of how it goes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Kevin Day has been an amazing I went uh, online friend. He's been very helpful to me, very uh, kind, very generous with the the stuff he shared with me. So I kind of, in for my perspective, I like to protect him as much as possible. Uh, nobody's going to sit there and tell me how to research this if they are not trying to engage him. And I I I believe I even reached out to Jack and said, hey, would you want an opportunity to get to talk to him? And Jack did not want to do that. So whatever. Uh, It's not a big deal. I'm not here to throw shade at researchers. I just, I will say this. Some some people in the UFO research community definitely are looking like fools now. They live in the dark ages. They don't want to progress in this subject at all. They just want to keep turning the wheels. And sadly, we're just going to leave them behind. And I know some of them I could hear like Red Pill Junkie or, or uh, Jack Brewer or even Walter Bosley saying in the back of my mind, but you're never going to get anywhere because this has all been done before. No, it hasn't. You're just lazy. <laughs> they, they just are, uh, in my opinion, uh, because a lot of my colleagues that I've worked with the last couple of months now, 
they have they not so much me but they really have turned up some really crazy stuff have found within the dirds papers that, that those were the paper papers that were released uh in conjunction with the atip stuff uh that george knapp kind of released and they were government projects or uh, papers talking about uh certain things that they did at skinwalker ranch that they did within atip so uh, you know some of those researchers don't even want to acknowledge that. They just think this is a disinfo campaign, which this is the longest disinfo campaign I've ever seen. And it would take a lot of money to do this. I just, it's laughable at this point. But I digress. What's in those documents? What are some of the interesting things that are in there? Uh, there's a, I've talked to you about this before, uh, doc, uh, Dr. Christopher Kit Green, uh, paper in there talking about field effects of anomalous uh, anomalous it's not anomalous area vehicles it's like anomalous I can't remember this the exact wording but it basically uh, of this whether it be UFOs or whatever related to UFOs at Skinwalker Ranch and how it affects affects humans their physiology meaning uh, does it affect their brain does it affect them uh, from speaking stuff like that that paper's in there. Um, Dr. Eric Davis has a paper on wormholes talking about stuff that he's experienced at Skinwalker Ranch and how wormholes may be one possibility of what's going on at Skinwalker Ranch. So there's a lot of stuff, and that's all been released. Like, that's been released. That's for the public consumption. You can look that up on Google. Uh, we just don't have every paper on the dirt's list, unfortunately. You know, I think I think the where the skepticism is coming in, and we we talked about this a little bit was the, the um, this kind of the distrust of the government. And you, you said today in one of the videos that I watched that like now you, you're trying to kind of change that paradigm a little bit and trying to kind of trust what they're saying. I mean, that's kind of in the, in the UFO field, in the conspiracy field, that's kind of a revolutionary idea to say that we should trust the government. But that's well, uh, that's, that's almost I, like, that's, I that's agree. Like a I mean, cow. It's, yeah. I, I know. I mean, it's crazy for us to trust them, but honestly, Adam, at the end of the day, if we don't at least watch this, I guess progression happened and we turn our backs to it, they will stop. This whole effort will stop. Unfortunately, it just will. It, it, it's encumbered. Uh, I, I shouldn't say encumbered. It's encumbered on us to, uh, I guess uh, we have no other choice. They're the only game in town, right? It, it, it's you or I are not going to be able to go to Wright Patterson and look up these stuff. We're not going to be able to go to Area 51 or S4. We got to take what what's given to us. And from what I've learned in this last year, there's definitely a good cop, bad cop within the Pentagon. And I guess there's a good group and a bad group. There's a group that definitely wants us out, and there's a group that does not want us out. And not for the reasons you would think. What would be some of those reasons? Uh, actually, you've had Nick Redford on before talking about this, but they yeah. view this phenomenon 
as demonic. Oh, he's one of the Collins elite stuff? Yes, yes. And actually, I got uh, into a very good conversation with George Knapp within this group on Facebook and connected some dots. And he, he got back to me and basically said that you are on the right trail. I cannot confirm much more than what you've presented because then I would be compromising some of his sources and his witnesses, which I fully understand. I'm not trying to make him blow up his world, uh, but I definitely, uh, there was a piece of research that I, it just it came to me one day and I just said, uh, put two and two together because uh, I think George Knapp had mentioned that there's a group within the Pentagon that they did not want ATIP to be out there. And that's why they were the ones initially when ATIP was released and people who would send in FOIA requests, it would come back that there's no such group. That that group was making it so the FOIA request would fail. The group that viewed this phenomenon as demonic. So mm-hmm. I was like, hmm. So I, I just posed the question to him in the group and I said, you know, is it possibly this Collins Elite group? He said, you're on the right track. I can't say much more. And yeah, so that tells me that there's this group within the Pentagon that wants it out. Now, why they want it out, that's another million dollar question. That's something that I'm suspectful of. Like, uh, do they want it out because they want to make money off of these technologies? Do they want to make money off of the threat? That, that to me makes a lot of sense, right? They want to make a money with Lockheed Martin or Bigelow Aerospace on these threats because they view them as threats. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, th- that's where I'm at with that. I mean, I, I've not reached out to George Knapp since, really. Uh, but I just found that very interesting that there's this group that views this phenomenon in a demonic light because they had scientists messed with. I think a scientist died in the 80s uh, with uh, Nick Redfern had talked about this with Ray Boucher, that a scientist uh, had died. Um, some of them were messed with. I know for a fact this from other my fellow colleagues within uh, the ATIP group that some of the people that were at uh, Skinwalker Ranch more recently for the ATIP part of that study okay. uh, before 2012 – they had stuff go home with them. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it is an interesting thing. kind of phenomenon and all that. Yeah. Uh, this was more like the gentleman had gone home and basically he had really negative thoughts. And then he basically was uh, he was confused as to how he could be thinking that. And the only thing he kept thinking or going back to is the time I spent spent at the ranch. So I don't know how long the DIA was there. I have no idea. A good person to ask probably would be Jeremy Corbell or George Knapp. They would definitely probably know, or maybe even Harry Reid, because uh, Harry Reid was a very big champion of this whole uh, ATIP. He's the one that got the whole ball rolling. Uh, right. But so – 
So somebody is really still fearful about them being being some kind of demonic thing, and, and that's um, that seems to be a part of it because you're getting this whole idea now that they're they're kind of getting away from the extraterrestrial meme and moving towards this kind of interdimensional kind of thing. I've noticed uh, to the stars is doing that as yeah. well as like a, it seems that that a tip was very. Um, Atip was very reluctant to say that they were extraterrestrials moving towards that interdimensional. But Luis Elizondo, what's his uh, what's his involvement with all of this stuff? Well, he was the head of it. He was the head of Atip. Yeah, he's now the head of global security for To the Stars Academy. He travels around the U.S. gathering materials from crashed, uh, you know, AAVs, anomalous area vehicles. They don't like to say UFOs. I know for a fact, for a fact, that one of the crash sites or one of the places, I should say, of these AAVs was in Ohio. And he picked up that part from Ohio and took it back to uh, Hal Putoff's lab, Earth Tech. And that's in that video on YouTube that you can find with two stars. Uh he was in Ohio for about a week. Um, yeah, I mean, th- th- they are doing some revolutionary stuff. And that's another thing I find hilarious is for all the people who throw shade at, to the stars, they want them to hurry up with this whole meta material stuff and get the science out. That's not how it works. Science takes a long time when you were doing that kind of stuff and studying those materials, you have to have a control, you have to have the actual material, and they want to be very fine-tooth comb, and they want to dot all their I's and cross all their T's. They're not just come out, they're not just going to come out and say, this is what we have. That's not the way it works. Plus, if people have been t- paying attention, which I know some people have, some people haven't, they've been slowly partnering with some DOD uh, agencies to help bring out this material. I, I don't know much more than what I just said, other than that they're they are partnering up with these DoD uh, agencies. I don't know what agencies they are. We could speculate, but I don't know that that would be very good. But it, it is interesting that they're trying to bring these materials for uh, forthright and uh, out to the public, but it's just going to take some time. I know a lot of people say, this is ridiculous. They're, they're just wanting money. Or I heard this this week that uh, To The Stars wants another $10 million. See, they're going bankrupt. None of that's true. None of that. It's just these people, they like to just talk, 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 and yip, yap. And they don't. they're just threatened by this at the end of the day. So, I don't know. I don't know what to say, Adam. I mean... Why do you think they feel threatened about it? Because unlike what we've had for the last 70 years in this field, which is not much, we've been in the dark ages, right? Since that December 16th article, and from that, it's been a revolution. Maybe not in your world, maybe not in the world of Walter Bosley, maybe not in the world of Jack Brewer, but for some of us, it has been a revolution because we have actually done some research, reached out to the people that we could get contact with, like the Dr. Gary Nolans of the world, 
or the help put off to the world and actually got some verification on some of the stuff versus these other people are just talking heads and saying this has all been done before and they don't do any research. So, I mean, I could go on. I mean, uh, there's a good friend of mine on Twitter. I'll just his name is Twitter user J. I'm not going to give his real name, but he is really good at finding stuff from these scientists that are on the DIRDS papers. He'll go back, look in their LinkedIn profiles, look in other stuff, uh, search scientific uh, white papers all over the internet, and he's found some really interesting things. In fact, he was blown away by one of the scientists that was working on the DIRDS stuff. He had a connection to SAIC, and he's working on – you've had this person on your show before, Robert Guffey and the cloaking technology. Whoa. Hmm. That's interesting. And so, I mean, again, these other people just don't do the research. That's, that's the problem I guess I have is they don't do research. Or if they do, it's just very, very scratching the surface, and that's it. This whole metamaterials thing and the alloys, like, um, mm-hmm. where are they getting these things? I mean, and what are we talking? Are we just talking about like scraps of metal? I mean, what? Uh, where it's are these coming under- from? Uh, it's my understanding that the material that was retrieved from Ohio was a maybe a four-inch long piece, and it's layered, and that's all I know about that piece. I know that there's another piece, and people are going to say, oh, God, he, you should never have Chris on again. I know for a fact that Linda Moulton Howe gave a piece to Louis Elizondo that's better known as Arts Parts. But if people have been looking, uh, and again, this requires a lot of work, all right? I give you that. Hal Putoff this summer was at a scientific uh, conference in Las Vegas. I forget for what. And he talked about that piece. Just the initial uh, testing that they've done is very interesting because it could have not been manufactured here on Earth. It's layered and it's got properties when you hit it with magnetic resonance, uh, certain frequencies, it almost levitates. Okay, that's that's his words, not mine. So, and all, all this is out there. Like, it, it's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. You just have to go looking for it. It's not going to come to you. You you have to get uh, curious and go out and look for all this stuff, unfortunately, until they bring that forth, which is going to take some time. Yeah, I mean, that's part about doing research is you, you got to go looking for it. I mean, it's not. It's not coming to you. I mean, no. Yeah, yeah. What's a what was it? The Dirds paper is that D E R D A? D I R D S. Small s. Yeah, you could go Google that right now, and you could find it. Cause I I haven't even heard of this. <laughs> See. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I'm gonna plug somebody that is a lot more knowledgeable than I am. It's Danny Silva. You should definitely have him on your program because he is a point guy with dirds. He knows it like the back of his hand. He's actually 
broken a story about Hathaway International, which is a Canadian aerospace company, and they are currently, right now, researching AAV technology. Uh, I can't say much more than that, other than the fact they're, they're, they are taking a look at this. This is a real company. This is a real billion-dollar company. This is not just some a crazy guy that Stephen Greer had and says it's a free energy device. This is a real aerospace company. They're looking at this te- technology, and it's pretty wild. So Danny Silva, you definitely need to get him on because he's the point guy on all this. Okay, yeah, put us in touch. That'll be excellent. Will do. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, I've been hearing. Well, first of all, you were saying uh, that there's some big news. Did we already cover that, or no, 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 no? Today, breaking around three o'clock or so. Okay, we're recording this on February nineteenth. That's for the audience. Because this yep. will be posted later. But. So we're on 3 p.m. today. Uh, Tom DeLong posted on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and shared that a former – you couldn't make this up if you tried. And I, I about keeled over when I saw this. The former IT guy, the head IT guy, deputy uh, assistant uh, – deputy chief of uh, – IT at the White House working for Donald Trump is now a advisor to to the stars going forward. He no longer works in the White House. He's working for to the stars now. So that's a pretty big thing in my mind. Hmm. Uh, yeah. His name uh, – hold on real quick. His name is Chris – oh, geez. No, it's going to – I'm going to rain for it. Chris Herden, former deputy assistant to the president of the United States, Donald Trump, White House information technology, the head guy for IT. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, some people would just say that's the head of IT. It's not a big deal. But again, I, and I don't know if I mentioned this last time. I think I may have mentioned it to you in private, but I can, I can tell you now. There has been congressional hearings on this topic, albeit they've been closed door, but Congress has been meeting on this topic. That's fact. Yeah, I think that's been going on since the the New York Times article came out, right? Did they start around um, that time? Around that time, but a lot yeah. more now. A lot more now. Why I, I I would say partly why is because to the stars, but also I think well, it makes sense. I mean, they're kind of a lobbyist group in a sense, you know, they're trying to uh, maybe I wouldn't say that. Uh, I would just say they're a champion of getting this information out to the public. Right. Uh, right. And I, I wouldn't say lobbyist because that means you're taking well, that's money. A negative, right? That's a negative connotation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. But, yeah. But they're. But they're essentially lobbying for that, you know, that we need some hearings about this and recognition that this is going on. You know, that's yeah, that's kind of where I'm going with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're 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 requesting yeah. information from the government. They're, yeah, they're they're lobbying for their cause. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's the good thing for you and I, right? I mean, we want that. We want at least I do. I mean, it's better than the 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 giant hurricane that's happening right now in the Pennsylvania Avenue, right? So at least we can maybe have some other movement. 
on something else other than this negativity that's over there. I guarantee you that if it wasn't such a S storm that maybe there'd be a lot more movement on this subject. I'm kind of with Stephen Bassett on this. If Trump is not the president, and I hate, like, I, 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 I don't dislike the guy, I don't like the guy, but if that hurricane isn't at the White House, I think this subject would be elevated a lot more. I don't think we'd have to be mitigated like we are. But yeah, maybe that's, I, I'm I mean, wrong. I can see that in a sense because I mean, what dominates the news cycle right now is just Trump, this Trump, that. I mean, yeah, as it if Trump would talk about it, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, then they just make fun well, of it. I mean, that that, he, might have he, a, that might be negative yeah, for the whole well, UFO thing. I mean, if you're Stephen Greer, you said you know, which was he's already been brief. You know, he's already been brief, but. I don't buy that one eye. Which was kind of I my point with the whole news cycle thing when it just kind of got lost was really because of what was going on with what was going on with Trump. You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. like the next thing that he would say. I mean, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you might, there might be more of a, of a focus on it, but the, the hearings are also closed door. So I, I'm wondering if any of that's public record. Uh, or whether they'll make it public it, record. It, well, some of it was in the sense of it, we are aware that they had the meeting. Yeah. That's like in the, the paper for the, the Congress. But what was said, I don't know. And the, the reason why I think initially it's going to be closed door is because of the national security implications. Right? So they're not going to just say, oh, by the way, oh, yeah, these scenes have been coming here uh, for a very long time. We've been studying it. And oh, by the way, uh, just for your listeners and for you, if you're not aware, ATIP never stopped. Okay, just because the New York Times said it stopped didn't it didn't really stop. It, it did get funding from another source. We don't know what that is, but it never stopped. And this is per Jeremy Corbell, and this is per George Knapp. And this is maybe three weeks ago we asked them again about this. ATIP has never stopped. Okay, so it got started in 2007, and it's still going to this day. And I think Luis Elizondo kind of hinted at that in the uh, in the last interview that he did with George Knapp too, that this study is still ongoing. Yeah, I can see that. I can see how they could be unofficially still going. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that kind of those kind of tactics happen. Yeah. Turning to 
Jeremy Mark, Jeremy Corbell. I mean, we have yes. we've reached out. We tried to get him on the show, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Um, so um, I'm just I have not seen the I've seen the um, Skinwalker Ranch one. I have not seen the Bob Lazar one. Um, so I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm familiar with Bob Lazar's story, of course, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen the, the, the documentary. Um, I, I'm just going to assume that you've seen it. Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> of course. So um, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, is there anything in there that was new? Was there anything that was revelatory? I mean, do you well, trust the, I mean, Bob do, Lazar? Do you want me to give a spoiler away? I mean, I don't know if you want to like, hurt I'm, me. I'm fine. I don't care. All, all right. Um, for my personal opinion, yes, there was a few revelations within that documentary. Some of it, though, I thought, in my opinion, uh, didn't go far enough. I didn't feel that Jeremy, he should have pushed a little bit harder, but I feel, and this is just me talking to people, uh, who work with Jeremy, that once the whole raid happened up here in the upper part of Michigan, uh, and I think it's Frankfurt uh, with the FBI, Jeremy kind of cool cooled it on pushing Bob Azar. Because I guess what took place is Jeremy and Bob had a conversation with their phones off, and it somehow. Again, this goes back to the we don't trust the government, right? You and I don't trust the government. I I don't trust them. Only on maybe on the UFOs, maybe. <laughs> but they recorded a conversation with Corbell's phone off, with Bob Lazar's phone off. They recorded that conversation and verbatim shared that conversation back to Jeremy Corbell and to Bob Lazar, word for word. And that scared the hell out of Bob Lazar. And not only did it scare the hell out of Bob Lazar, but it scared the hell out of Jeremy Corbell because it became very real. I mean, not that he didn't trust, you know, uh, Bob Lazar, but the fact that the FBI came back and said, this is what you said during this conversation that you thought that was private. And I think that kind of scared him a little bit. Uh, And that's why I don't think he went as hard as he could have. But whatever, not a big deal. It's not my movie. It's his movie. There was other stuff in there. Um, uh, all right. So Bob Bazaar had said, I never heard him say this until the documentary, but I know other people have said that he said it back in the late 80s, early 90s, where he said when he would go to S4 and get there, there was a like a, a archaic fingerprint scanner device that would you put your pl- hand on it and it would scan your hand, but it would be scanning your bones and how big your bones were in like your pinky, right? I know it sounds space age, sounds Star Trek, but that came to be true. That was the case. And not only that, but the company that made that device had an exclusive contract with the Department of Naval Intelligence. Very interesting. Uh, actually, a fellow researcher, a female researcher, uh, uh, brought that to my attention because she went digging uh, about that scanner. It was very archaic, but it was ahead of its time during that time. It was, it was thought to be like really super uber cool technology during the late 80s, early 90s. 
and uh, it would measure your pinky bone, I guess. I, I, I don't know. But you can go find If you watch the documentary, you can see a picture of it. I forget, I forget what it's called, but that was kind of a revelation because you see Bob in the documentary showing pictures because Jeremy found this device too. And he showed a picture to Bob and Bob just lights up. He's like, I never thought he would ever find a picture of this or let alone even know what I'm talking about because they thought I was crazy. And you kind of see that Bob Azar gets really excited. So that was that was a big one for me. Um, but really, as a whole, the documentary, really, if you don't believe them, you're not going to believe them with this documentary. You really aren't. Uh, if you believed them, you maybe sort of believe them a little bit more. I thought the documentary was very well done. Some people didn't like the Mickey Rourke uh, narration. Yeah, that's and, what I've heard. Some people thought but, it was distracting. Yeah. I guess, maybe. I mean, it, you got to remember, Jeremy is a very artsy guy, and he wanted a guy that he looked up to from when he was a kid to be in his documentary and to speak in his documentary, the, the spoken word. And a lot of that stuff that he, uh, uh, that, uh, uh, what was his name now? Uh, I had a brain fart. Uh, the narrator. Uh, Mickey Rourke. What's it? Yeah, Mickey Rourke. Sorry. Uh, Mickey Rourke was talking about was written by Jeremy. So uh, he took that, uh, I guess Jeremy took that really hard when people are saying uh, they didn't like it because that was all written by Jeremy. That wasn't written by Mickey Rourke. So, uh, you know, as a whole, I like the documentary. Um, it's not going to make the disbelievers believe and it's not going to make believers believe that much more. I mean, maybe a little bit. Um it's not the documentary you think they would have. He would have done. There's all. I mean, it was very well done, but it's it doesn't encompass all this other stuff that you came to know with Bob Lazar. He thought he talked about the UFO stuff a little bit, but he really humanized Bob Lazar, which I feel is good. Um, I'm trying to think what other things. The one thing that I wish Jimmy Corbell would finally release. And I'm getting real mad at him. And in fact, I may email him again. Is he's got a video uh, and a trailer that he's got Bob Lazar at United Nuclear watching the gimbal video and saying, like, uh, Bob Lazar is talking about the gimbal video. We don't know what he's saying, but I would like for Jeremy to release it at some point because I would think it would be very interesting. What's the gimbal video? The gimbal video was the second video that Two Stars released or the Pentagon released. Okay. To see what he was, uh, see what he thought of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from what I know from people that were connected, Jeremy, uh, it seemed like Bob Lazar was saying uh, some of the stuff that uh, that was picked up on the uh, at FLIR system is, is um, consistent with what uh, was uh, how am I trying to say this? It was consistent in what he had seen at S4 when he saw the test. Gotcha. gotcha. So, so I mean, Bob Lazar in and of himself. Well, I mean, first to say that, you know, in your opinion, like there really wasn't anything new that kind of mind any, anything, any new fields as far as the story itself. So it, it kind of just leaves people 
divided still. Like I don't did, uh, yeah. did, you don't think it would have converted someone that said, no, well, I didn't no, believe no, no, no. Bob Lazar 30 years ago, but I believe him now because of this documentary. Yeah, no, just, that's it didn't not really, going to happen. It didn't really change any of that. But um, you, uh, what do you think about his story? I mean, do you do you do you think that he is telling the truth, or do you think he's telling the truth as he understands it? I mean, what uh, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, from the information that I have and the data that I've seen, I believe Bob was there at S four. He he knew too much about stuff that you or I, like the stuff that happened at Area fifty one, how to pay for your lunch, where to go for the Janet flights how to uh, interact with the people at uh, S4. Jeremy has uh, gotten some witnesses. One only has come forward, uh, Dr. Krangel, who worked with Bob, not alongside Bob, but worked with Bob at Los Alamos test facility. And he was at security briefings. Uh, And again, as Dr. Krangel said, you're not a janitor there if you're attending security briefings. And these were not security briefings just to say uh, for general people. These were security briefings for people who were working on highly classified uh, programs. So if Dr. Kringle says he was at Los Alamos, it's not that much of a stretch for me to believe that he was at S4. And mind you, when Bob Lazar was at S4 and got he was never fired. He quit. He stopped going to work, right? When all that happened, word got back at Los Alamos, and Dr. Krangle and some of Dr. Krangle's cohorts knew that that was the kind of work that was going on at S4. Not that it was ET, you know, ET crap, but it was super black programs, and that Bob Azar, in his opinion, Dr. Krangle's opinion, was definitely a guy that would be definitely picked for some program like that because of the fact he would always think outside the box. He did, he questioned authority all the time. He did not uh, fit in the box of the scientific mold, you know, the perfect pocket protector. The guy liked hookers. He liked motorcycles. He liked gambling. Uh, not so much gambling, but he liked fast cars. He liked hookers, okay? I'm not going to lie. He liked hookers. I mean, he's a nerd, right? You're in Nevada. I mean, you know, you might as well take advantage of it. Exactly. I mean, and part of the reason why he got in trouble. Every now and again. Yeah, Dennis, he died, though, unfortunately. Dennis has died not that long ago. Uh, But uh, part of the reason why they kind of nixed him from working at S4 is because his wife was having an affair. And part of the agreement when you sign with those programs is they wiretap your phone. And they knew that the wife was having this affair. And the, the, the security deems it as a threat to national security because now your wife could babble or you could babble because you're not in a, a good mental state because your wife is cheating on you. So, again, but again, people forget about that aspect, you know, or they want to bring up on how – uh, like he was brought up with um, the brothel charges, but when the court system went to go look for his records, they didn't exist. The courts couldn't find them. George Knapp couldn't find them. Uh, Jimmy Corbell did find one person that would drive Bob Azar to Caltech daily, 
but that's all we've really found. We've never found anybody from MIT. So, uh, you know what? Honestly, I don't care about the college degrees. It doesn't mean anything. See, people get up, up on that. I don't know why. It doesn't mean you cannot work at Los Alamos. It doesn't mean you can't work at uh, S4 or Area 51 or any of those programs. It, it just means that he didn't go to college. So what? Or he he dif- he went a different route. Who cares, right? Yeah, I was uh, you know I was thinking about that myself, and you got to wonder if someone that is that is kind of like an autodidact and is a you know kind of at a genius level. Whether or not that would be someone that you just say, okay, well, you don't have the proper education, but we would really like to recruit you to come and work because we think you'd be a good part of the team. So mm-hmm. none of that really matters. I mean, maybe he could have said, well, you know, I'll, I'll go get my education while I'm doing this, or what, however it might have been. Yeah. But you would just recruit those guys. I mean, you think about like some of these, some of these hackers these hacker kids mm-hmm. that get recruited to work for the intelligence agencies and to, you know, like some of them, I mean, I'm sure they don't have college degrees or you could be, uh, of course. you could be valuable enough. That time was like, you know, they'd, they'd rather, they need you now. They don't need to wait. Yeah, exactly. I mean, years. think about exactly. it. They, they, they had run into a problem. The prior scientist blew himself up, right? They told Bob that the guy basically quit. No, he got to the S4 and found out the guy blew up because he, he tried to penetrate the, the uh, reactor, right, from the uh, the uh, uh, aircraft, uh, not the aircraft, the uh, uh, UFO. So, but they didn't tell him that till he was there for like two weeks, you know? So, I mean, if they would have said, oh, by the way, the guy prior to working here, he blew up. Can you still work here? I don't think anybody's going to take that job, right? So they kind of lied to him, and he kind of lied to them. But I think it was a two-way street. Like they, they didn't care that he that he lied to them, and he didn't care that they were lying to him, right? Until he got weird where they were shooting out his tires, and then he went public with George Knapp, and that's where things got really sideways for him. He really screwed up, and he'll admit that. But I think looking back, I do feel it's possible that he was definitely used to get this meme out into the public sphere. And it kind of blew up in their face. They didn't realize that if they go out with this UFO story, that everybody was going to go to Freedom Hill and look down at Area 51. They didn't think that because they don't think like that. You know, they, they thought that if they send this guy out, and he does talk, which he he did end up doing, that it would drive people away because they're just going to say, oh, it's just UFO stuff happening at Area 51. Not a big deal. And it really just blew up in their face. Yeah. And they also I'm, could have obscured it as well, you know, just paint him as a crackpot, all this kind of stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah, my feeling about Lazar is, like, I think he saw something. I think he was mm-hmm. definitely there. What it is he saw, I mean, that could be up for debate. But I think that what he's saying, I mean, I, I think what he's saying he saw is what he is what he saw, and that because uh, he never, I don't think, it was to my mind, he never said he saw aliens or anything like that. He just said he saw no. some some weird kind of craft, you know. Yep. Yep. And so we don't really so. know what that is or what they were working on out there. No, and the fact that there was only – think about this, Adam. 
at that time, and he maintained this through the entire time that he's ever talked about this, there's only 22 scientific people working on that program, meaning metallurgy, the propulsion system, the craft itself, uh, how to fly, only 22 scientists. The rest were military. And that's right there tells you and shows you they weren't going to get very far, right? Because it's all military people all the time. And it was an oppressive place to work at. They were always in your face, yelling at you, and just saying, get it done. I want, I, I want to improve on this. Or have you made any uh, drastic, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, have you learned anything new? And it's only been like three weeks. And he's like, nope. <laughs> We basically bounced a golf ball off the reactor and it bounced up uh, and it hit the t ceiling tile. That's, I mean, they're goofing around for some of that. He had one coworker that could work with them on the propulsion system. One coworker. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. here's, here's the other thing. I know that Jeremy Corbell has stated that he, he does have some other people that knew Bob Azar from that time because they themselves were at, at that facility. But I don't think those people are going to ever come forward. I really don't. I do. I will say this uh, one quick thing, then we can move on. Uh, Jimmy Corbell did find Mike Thigpen, the guy that hired Bob Azar from uh, this office. It's a, a defense department office from the atomic. I know it sounds crazy, from the Atomic Energy Agency, it's, he works for like both agency uh, agencies. He lives now on the East Coast, like in Boston. Uh, Jimmy Corbell found him and asked him, did you hire Bob Azar? He said, yes. Did he work at S4? Yes, he did. Did he Was he employed by EGG, a subcontractor, subcontractor of uh, S4 and Area 51? Yes, he did. So... But Mike Thigpen won't go on won't go on camera, but he answered all that stuff to Jeremy Corbell. Now none of that's on camera, so I take that for what it's worth. But you know, I thought that was pretty big. But really, overall, the documentary was good, but it wasn't going to change opinions. Sure, I think that's pretty pretty valid assessment because um, yeah. it doesn't seem like that that it that it really has but you know also too with the uh, corbell stuff i think what he's doing is he's getting a lot of this information out to a new generation that maybe has not heard of this and that's kind of like one of the main complaints that i've heard is like well why are we talking about this well i mean because we were talking about this 30 years ago or 20 years ago well a lot of people haven't heard about it you know and no. that's uh, a lot of younger people they they haven't heard about this and you know, so that's what he's doing with uh, the Skinwalker Ranch documentary, and that's or, or the, or what was the other one he did? Patient seventeen. Patient seventeen. You know, a lot of yep. people in, and, and probably people that kind of like in his age group that probably haven't really, really heard about, really haven't heard about this. You know, and I'm sure that you know, I mean, he's he's a filmmaker, so he's wanting to make money as well. So you know, you, you're finding and he's I, passionate I, about he's he is passionate about the oh, uh, yeah. about the subjects that he that he does. I'll try I'll email him again and try to get him to do your show. I know that we were talking back and forth, but even when he would email me, it took a long time. So Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's, it's all good. I mean, we we can talk about that later. Um 
right. you know uh, it's uh it is what it is i mean some people are just busy man you know i mean that's just that's just kind of how it goes yeah um you know uh but you did go on some bigfoot podcast i don't know i'm just just putting that out there uh yeah <laughs> yeah i know what one you're talking about yeah 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 um so uh, one thing i wanted to ask you too about is the um the tv show now the project blue book tv show uh, I've, okay again i've not seen it but uh, that's mainly because i don't have really have cable and i'm not going to pay extra yeah. to get the history channel because yeah, I, I, I really want to see ice road truckers and uh, you know whatever else Hitler. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't even have Hitler on there anymore. Ancient man. Hitler UFOs. Ancient Hitler UFOs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, Gee, dude. This podcast has gone down the toilet now. Oh my god. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, what's your thoughts about that about that show? I am. I I guess. I guess, you know, a fan of the show, yes, it's not a real depiction of said events. Sure. It's based off of some events. It's not a real depiction. The only person that I've seen go, like, psychotic about this show, and I'm going to say his name, I don't really care, is Mark O'Connell, the guy who wrote uh, the book about Heineck that came out. Uh, a couple of years ago, like two or three years ago, yeah. he's adamant that this show is total garbage. I couldn't disagree more. I feel that any show dealing with this topic is a good show. Okay, it just is. It for me, it harkens back a little bit to X Files. It's got that vibe going on a little bit. It's it's entertainment, bro. It's not supposed to be. If he want, if he wants his show. You know, his Heineck show, because uh, uh, Marco kind of had done some TV in the past. He wrote for uh, Star Trek, I believe. Yeah. If he wants his show, then you know what? He should have moved his butt to make that show, but he didn't. And he's also mad that they didn't come to him and ask him to be a part of the show. I really feel that. They asked Heineck's two sons, and, and it's funny. Heineck's two sons had no problem with the show, none whatsoever. They they said that they have nothing but admiration for the show. That uh, David O'Leary, the creator with Robert Zemeckis, has done a very good job of what their dad did. In fact, they said their dad would probably sit down and have a good old bowl of popcorn, and enjoy himself because it's meant to be enjoyed. It's not meant to be a frigging documentary. But O'Connell, he's all up in arms every single day. Oh my God, it's the worst thing ever. And I've heard other people say it's not accurate. Who cares if it's accurate? It doesn't have to be. It could touch on stuff, you know? It's not meant to be exact, you know, every little step that he took. That's not the way it works. It's television. Of course you're going to mess it up. What did they expect? I, I don't understand these people. I really don't. It's, it's probably the same people who want new blood into this community, into this field, but then they bitch about it. Once that new blood comes into into this community or field, because we're doing it wrong. Oh, whatever. No, I, I like the show. So <laughs> this is Chris's soapbox, guys. This is yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I just I'm not holding back anymore. You know. Hey. Yeah, it's all good, man. I mean, that's that's yeah. what we that's what you know. This show is here for it's an, you know it's, it's to hear your opinion, and that's why you're the guest, and you know. 
Oh, I'm sure good. that there, there's, there's other shows You're gonna get a hate mail we, now. we've had on that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll say exactly the opposite, but that's kind of how it goes. Um, uh, that's fine. That's fine. I still love them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, um, what is this whole thing that I've, I'm kind of hearing this kind of, this is kind of obscure to me. Is this something about, uh, Richard Dolan and about like a, trying to interview some old guy or something like what is this do you know what i'm talking about uh richard dolan interviewed this old guy in 2012 or 2013 now the guy claims that he worked at the cia in i want to say 1953 yeah and funny enough jeremy corbell was the one filming that entire thing right because it was part of the whole citizen disclosure thing. So I think it was 2013. Uh, I don't know about that guy. Like the old guy, I don't know. He maybe worked for the CIA. I don't know. His tale is pretty interesting. He talks about how Eisenhower threatened the people at Area 51 if they didn't release some of the information about this UFO subject because they were, they, I guess, Area 51 had been the hub of this information that if they didn't release it, Dwight D. Eisenhower was going to send a 7th or 8th Army into uh, Area 51 and uh, take the base over. Now, that is far-fetched as all get-out, right? Even for me, I mean, that's a bit much, right? So I don't know. I mean, Richard Dolan, I don't know. I mean, I know it was set up through, uh, I know Linda Moulton Howe that was her original witness, but I don't know. I mean... The guy's dead now, so yeah, I don't know. It's all news for me. I mean, why is this coming out now, though? Why are we hearing about this now? Really? Yeah. Who? Oh, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, because I thought this was Cause like. This, 20... I mean, this is new to me, so I, well, I don't know what this. Well, but what I don't know. It... I I know that somebody hit yesterday in Twitter said that Richard Dolan was on the side of uh the like the show of project blue book and that he was helping to uh correct people the actors and actresses in the scenes which was just hilarious because he has nothing to do with the show yes he's had david o uh, uh o'reilly or now o'reilly uh like the creator of the show he did have him on his uh, youtube show but i don't think dolan has anything to do with uh project blue book so I just thought that was weird because they had like this Photoshop photo of him sitting next to the two actors. It's like, what? Why are people doing this? Maybe, I mean, maybe they, people don't like Richard Dolan anymore. I don't know. I know that people got really, uh, they don't hold him in such regard as they used to. I know that. Hmm. So uh, for a number of reasons. I mean, I, could, I, I, mean, I don't know if you're ever going to have him on again. I don't know. I know that, like, I've reached out to him, and he never responded back to me. He's the only person in the solo community that I've written to, and he's never gotten back to me, ever. Everybody else I've ever reached out to, they've always gotten back to me. I just find it funny. So, whatever. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know. Uh, honestly, lately, I haven't really kept up a lot about, about Dylan about what he's been doing. He's hitting the YouTube game hard, man. His super chat. Now, listen, on YouTube, if you want to make money, that's fine. 
And if you want to make money in this field, I guess I'm not going to hurt at you. I'm not going to throw a bone at you or anything or get mad at you. But it looks really bad when, like, on your super chat. I know some people are going to be like, oh, God, Chris, don't say this. But I have to. Like, the super chat, when he does his live stream, to ask a question, you can make it so you could ask a question for $1.99 or $99. It's like, what? dude, man. Hey, yeah. Adam, Adam, we need to get on there, man. Yeah. Yeah. Ask a question for me. <laughs> yeah. So here's the problem. Though. Super chill. So he's got 50,000 subscribers on YouTube, right? So he could do that. Now, you and I, I only have 50 subscribers on my YouTube channel. I think you had, last I had saw, like 180-something yeah, or 300, over, maybe. I think we're over 200. But yeah, now, yeah but something like we that. can't ask. We can't. We're, we can't get monetized yet. Not until fifty thousand subscribers. So yeah. Richard Dolan has done that. And when he does his uh, live streams, when you want to ask a question, you gotta pay for it. Which I have a real problem with that. I'm sorry, but I do, and I get it. He, he's doing this full time. I get it, but at the same time, that comes off of a bit. I don't know. Hard. You know. Yeah, that's that's the problem is when you're when you're at somebody at a level just kind of like Richard is and he's so well known uh among that community and you're able to do something like that and it's it, it, Yeah, when when money gets involved things start getting a little bit iffy. People start yeah. really starting to, to to distrust, and I'm not necessarily saying that that he's out scamming people or anything like that. It's just that there is there is a perception out there that that's what's going on. All right. So yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, it's one of those things where uh, I don't know. It's his it's his deal, not mine. So well. Is there anything else that is interesting you right now about the field? Anything that you like, kind of the, the that you've kind of discovered that you're like, kind of like a little. This is this is interesting. This is new. I mean, what are some of the things that you're really fascinated in looking at right now? Mm, honestly, I've not really. I've been kind of taking a break as of late. Yeah. Uh, I've been watching other people or helping other people, uh, but nothing. I don't have anything that I'm working on right now. Nothing comes to mind. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's okay. I mean, what and you know, what's the what's the future look like for the for the UFO field? I mean, what do you think? You know, what if you had to guess? Like, what do you think? Where do you think it's going to be in a year or five years? I mean, are we going to be so? Is there going to be anything revolutionary going to come out? And what what do you think? Well, I don't, I don't know that I would say revolutionary, but I would definitely say that we are going to know some more. Uh, we're going to learn some things that we didn't know before. Yeah, we're going to learn that science has definitely been involved in this subject a lot more than what we think it is. Uh, I, I can speak on that personally. I, and I've shared this with you, Dr. Gary Nolan, Dr. Christopher Kit Green. With the experience of study, that is a real thing. That is ongoing right now. They're studying experiencers, and they're getting some crazy stuff come back to them. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I just feel it's a really good time for this subject. It's, uh, 
there's I mean, the one thing I guess I will say is I wish they would just come together instead of fight and bicker and piss and moan that we just come together. But it seems from my take, from my being in this, even for the four or five years I've been doing it hardcore, that some of the people in the upper echelons in this field they're kind of just become too jaded or too spiteful or just don't care. They've lost their curiosity and they've allowed themselves to just spin their wheels. And we're just talking about the same old cases. We're just talking about, uh, and listen, I'm not an ETH guy, right? I'm not extraterrestrial hypothesis guy. Yeah. I, I leave room for it, but it's not going to, I'm not going to sit there and say that, uh, it, there is or isn't. Uh, from my own experiences, I don't know what I interacted with. I'm not going to sit there and say they're alien, but I'm also not going to sit there and say that they're also probably interdimensional because I don't know. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is some in the field um, bash the others who do subscribe to the ETH, and it's just it's hard to see. I get. Uh, not see, but hard to grasp grasp as to why they attack these people or throw shade at them. And I, I thought we just wanted all to come together. I mean, new blood is good, right? It's good because otherwise this field is just going to die. And actually, I love Joshua Cutchin. He, he posted this on Twitter just the other day that he mentioned that all these old UFO researchers are pissing and moaning and they want – new blood come into the field but when we get there they say we're doing it wrong or they don't like what we say and then they just get mad and I, i'm sorry but it's the way it is you know I, I i wish we could work together like i wish i could come together with jack brewer i mean we were we were talking for a long time but that relationship kind of just the skinner uh like the, got diminished and disintegrated and same thing with Walter Bosley. Now, some of that is on my end because I, I get very passionate, get very heated. Uh, because we've, I, I, we've noticed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> part of it is, part of it is, is the stuff that I do know that I, I can't bring out to everybody because then I'd be burning sources, right? And I, I just can't. And I, I've said this in the last time I've been on your show, and I'll keep saying it. There's certain things I just cannot say, unfortunately. It's just the way it is. Um, and I've had to pay a price for that. People don't believe me. Uh, I've been ridiculed. I've been mocked at. I've been made fun of. That's fine. But well, you're trying wish... to respect somebody's yeah. wishes. I mean, I, I can understand that a lot more than someone that is just like, well, I can't tell you because the government told me to or something like that. You it's, know? Good, it's good to oh, be well, someone who can keep a secret, man, and more people will tell you secrets. Yeah. Well, I... I will just say this, and then we'll get done with the show. Just in this last month, I've had a government scientist, uh, a, a genuine black budget scientist, come to me who is working on a project with uh, Joe Firmich. And he basically gave me all this stuff. He gave me stuff that nobody should have. I mean, he gave me schematics. He gave me videos. He gave me a bunch of stuff. He wanted me to release it because he was pissed that Joe Furmich owed him a lot of money and the government owed him a lot of money 
and didn't pay him his money. And I think it was like four or five million dollars that this guy is owed. And he chose me. I'm like, why are you choosing me? Because you're a Michigan man, Chris. I'm like, why? I'm a nobody. Don't choose me. I didn't <laughs> want to be involved with that. Yeah. That's my life, okay? I mean, I wouldn't wish this on anybody, even my worst enemy, to deal with that. And I'll share with you, Adam, some of the stuff that I got from this guy. I'm not going to say his name, but he's a genuine black budget scientist guy. Uh, he's the real deal. And he's worked on this stuff. And some of it is like, holy mackerel. Like, I don't want to get in trouble because I know probably some of it is breaking national security. I guarantee it. Uh, but obviously with the Firmage stuff, some of it was found to be totally crap, right? But – it is what it is, and that's just my life, and whatever. It's all good, but, yeah, <laughs> it's been a whirlwind. I'm sure. I'm sure it has been. Yeah, I, uh, when you're, you're talking to some interesting people, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, I ain't talking to the great, like, the, the reptilian people. Those people I could fend off. It's like no big deal. When a real scientist comes to you and says, oh, by the way, you know, I've got this stuff and they're not paying me and I'm going to basically out them. And he gives me all this stuff and then he wants me to like out the program. I'm like, whoa, I don't want to be a part of this. I mean, there was people that I, I shared the video on Facebook and certain Facebook groups and they're blown away. They're like, how did you get this? Like, I, I could kind of tell you, but I kind of can't. It's one of those things where I, I, I think I posted to Greg Bishop's group, and all I said is, don't ask any questions, just enjoy. <laughs> because really, I can't answer all the questions. Yeah, nobody can. So No. Nobody can. Well, Chris, what's next for you, man? Where can people get in touch with you? Tell everybody about your YouTube channel as well. I don't even know my YouTube channel, and I'm one of bad questionnaires. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just under Chris Wolford, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it's under Chris Wolford, yeah. The, yeah. the crazy guy yeah. with outdoor clothes, yeah. And then Facebook, Twitter, I don't know. I'm there. You could find me if you want me. <laughs> I'm not out there for self promotion. I don't care. All right, Chris. Thanks again for doing this, man, especially on such yeah, a short no notice. And, uh, guys, we're going to close out this section, but we'll be back to close out this show on Conspiranormal. Fire in the hole. Um, that was interesting. That was good. I, I'm curious about your thoughts on it, man. Um, I'm I'm uh, really ill-informed about uh, the topic of UFOs, really. I don't really stay really up-to-date with it. I like some, you know, I'm into some overarching theories and stuff like that. So it's always good to hear from somebody who's, like, really on the cutting edge of what's going on. Yeah. Um, so he stays totally up to date, and uh, we have the different UFO beefs and everything. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, there was a lot of beefs going on, and uh, you know, I think everybody knows by now that uh, Chris's opinions are his opinions, 
I did ask him a lot of questions about that, but you know, I, I value I value Chris's opinion on stuff, so mm-hmm. I really wanted you know the the audience to hear it, and it was good to have him because it was kind of it was kind of a pinch I think for him. I mean, I literally texted him last night and was like, hey. Uh, we we kind of need we we need a guest for episode two forty nine. So you know, you you were uh, asking me some things upstairs about um, the Collins Elite stuff. Yeah. Um, what well, were you, some of your thoughts? You had some thoughts on that. When if if the you know the the line's always been that uh, one of the main enemies to disclosure is uh, a fear that there'll be a breakdown in religion, in public order, in nation states, et cetera. And if the, you know, like if, if the interdimensional and approaching spiritual aspect is being, you know, brought forward, it seems like those implications would be even graver as opposed to just, uh, some purely physical extraterrestrials that could be worked into perhaps someone's um, religion or, you know, religious view of the cosmos, like how we see in the, like the Vatican church has been seemingly, you know, preparing for, for a long time. But this is almost like some childhoods and stuff. Uh huh. Right. It's like, right. So to me, it's like the, all, all those implications are even, you know, when you when you really bring that into it, it's almost like disclosure means a almost like providing the fodder for a new religion or end of old religions, or it's just such a big paradigm shift that man, that's a that's kind of a big deal. There's a lot of different angles to that. That's I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've I've read. Nick Redfern's final events. We did a show about that with Nick. One of the, I think the first show we ever did with Nick was about that. Right. And this supposed Collins elite and how there could be this people in the Pentagon that, yeah, they believe that, uh, there's some demonic influence and in something with UFOs. Um, maybe it's just that they believe that we can kind of leave that there possibly. Right. Or, you know what there seems to also be like chris was saying that there's this kind of like little little war going on and who wants to release the information and should we release the information but i definitely see the point and i think that you were talking about you know would people start to worship these beings absolutely we ended up if that ended up happening Yeah. yeah well and then if if there is a um like conservative Christian faction within the military establishment that's opposed to this because they think, you know, aliens are demons or something like that. Um, maybe, uh, what if there's a, like another, uh, segment who are like pro alien demons, you know, and maybe some <laughs> like, I know. And we, they, you know, the whole Jack Parsons thing, of course, that's the right. beginning of it, but you know, who knows? And there very well could be. Um, I've been talking a little bit about this, like, chthonic deities thing, yeah. some of these ideas in my mind about what that could be and the possibility that a lot of this 
uh, satanic ritual abuse, and I haven't really talked a lot about this on the show, but you know, this idea that like, satanic ritual abuse, and that they're not really worshiping Satan, but they may be worshiping some kind of uh, chthonic deity. That is, if you say that you know not all of that's just hype or some kind of panic, that some of that may be real. Uh, so in that respect, are there people that possibly worship those deities and then see them as kind of like the old ones coming back from like uh, Lovecraft or something like yeah, that? I, I just reread yeah. Call of Cthulhu uh, too. So. Yeah, so you, so you may have a point there. Uh, on from the uh, crazy to something really crazy, uh, I wanted to kind of read this. Uh, this just happened not too long ago. Uh, a Florida student was arrested after he refused to participate in the Pledge of Allegiance. Police said they arrested the child because he disrupted a school function and resisted an officer without violence, but not because he refused to recite the pledge. A sixth grade student in Florida was arrested when officials arrived in his classroom after he refused to participate in the Pledge of Allegiance, Authority said. The student at Lawton Childs Middle Academy in Polk County refused to stand for the pledge on February 4th, according to a statement from the school. Students aren't mandated to participate in the pledge according to the school's rules. Unfortunately, a substitute teacher was not aware of this, and she engaged in an exchange of words with the student and called the school's administration to come to her classroom, according to the statement. The school's resource officer, who is permanently assigned to the campus, also responded to the substitute's classroom, but was not called by the administration regarding the incident, the statement said. The SRO decided to make the, uh, the arrest. No one from the school requested charges to be pressed or for an arrest to be made, the statement said. The school did subsequently discipline the student bay news 9 reported the student who was not identified because he is a minor was suspended for three days representatives from the school and police didn't return a request for comment but both police and the school insisted that the student was arrested because he refused to participate in the pledge the student was arrested after becoming disruptive and refusing to follow repeated instructions by school staff and law enforcement the school said this incident followed the the daily pledge of allegiance in the classroom to be clear, the student was not arrested for refusing to participate in the pledge, and they just keep they clear about that. that. Yet? <laughs> it's just like <laughs> Bay News Nine reported that the substitute teacher provided a statement to the district saying that when she told the boy to stand for the pledge, he said the American flag is racist and that the national anthem is discriminatory toward black people. Why, if it was so bad here, he did not go to another place to live? She said. She asked him. According to Bay News Nine, she said he responded. They brought me here. The substitute then said she responded by saying she arrived in the U.S. from Cuba and would move elsewhere if she felt like she needed to. Then I had to call the office because I did not want to continue dealing with him, she said in the statement, according to Bay News 9. The school's resource officer and dean of students responded to the classroom and attempted to calm the student down, police said in a statement. The student was asked over 20 times to leave the classroom by the dean of students. Outside the classroom, the student created another disturbance and made threats while he was escorted to the office. The student was arrested for disrupting a school function and resisting officer without violence, police said, adding he was taken to a juvenile assessment center. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> another day in america yeah <laughs> any thoughts on that no i mean i'm 
Sure, his, his civil rights were violated, sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah I think that there's going to be a... Somebody's going to get sued. Yeah, sounds like great, uh, great ACLU lawsuit. And also, um, the school is obviously covering their own ass with the media by repeating over and over again, we didn't arrest him because he, was, he didn't say the Pledge of Allegiance. Even though you really essentially did, because the substitute teacher, honestly, and apparently the school actually has a policy that they don't have to rise, but the substitute teacher didn't know that. So she got all self-righteous and apparently super patriotic and decided that she was going to teach this kid a lesson and escalated the situation to where he became mad and they took him outside the class. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't understand that, um, you know, patriotic rituals aren't mandated by law in America for civilians. Yep. Um, They're not. I mean, and uh, that's it. And you can actually thank the Jehovah's Witnesses for that. Yeah. Yeah, Because they started a lot of that um, rolling. This is stuff that has been said and done. Like this, this, this should not be happening, but it still is. All right. Well, I think that's it. Uh, we're going to call it next week. Episode 250. I have a round table planned with, uh, four distinguished gentlemen that I, uh, really respect and I'm, uh, really looking forward to it. And also Mr. Rob will be back and we will be back at studio a for that one. Yes, sir. Although I think I'm kind of finally getting the hang of it, it, man. I think you're getting it. <laughs> we, we we got backups to our backups and uh, all kinds of stuff. So. Vocoders, Rob. You need to get a vocoder, man. Yeah, yeah. Get a vocoder, Rob. All right, um, I guys, you want to support us on Patreon? Go to www.patreon/slash/conspiranormal. If you want to leave a one-time donation, you can do that on our website. We have that there. If you don't want to become a Patreon, so guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back in episode two fifty. Can you believe it? On Conspiranormal. <laughs>
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.